Welcome to For Your Reconsideration, the film podcast that wanders into cinema's living room and pops on the big light, and has a good old nosy at what's sitting there for inspection. Here are my boys, Simon and James. How are you, fellas? How do you? Very well, thanks. Good stuff, good stuff. What have you both been watching this week? In fact, I know... Uh, forgive me, you've both been to see, separately, the James Bond film. Yes. We oh, did, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 what? what? <laughs> oh, would you like us to elaborate on that? <laughs> I didn't think I'd need to lead you in, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so I thought it was aggressively okay, to be honest. <laughs> like I thought the first hour of it was pretty spellbinding in terms of like proper top-tier Bond, great set pieces, lots of good gags, very light and fast-paced and really, and really, really moved. And I was like, oh, this is brilliant. I can see where all the five-star reviews are coming from. And then there was just a lot of emoting and inner turmoil and the movie forgot that it was supposed to be fun. And yeah, there was still some nice little action moments in the second half of it. Uh, I thought the action throughout was really well staged, to be honest, but but yeah, once the actual plot of the film started to kick in, the fact that they tried to make James Bond into a real person, it just, you know, it just, uh, it's not what I'm there for, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how did you feel about it, Si? Uh, pretty similar, actually. I, I really enjoyed the opening hour. I thought it was really fun. The opening sequence was brilliant, and <clears throat> the setup to the to the villain was great. But yeah, just as soon as the sort of gears moved up in terms of the story, it just got a bit, um, it got a bit stupid. I thought, you know, I I don't expect uber realism from a Bond film, but if you're going to set out a, a sort of a set of movies like these Daniel Craig ones are, where they are a bit serious and they are a bit sort of more grounded in reality rather than obscure sort of space bases on the moon. Um, <clears throat> it just got a bit daft. I thought that, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just, it just proper fell off a cliff for me on that on that sort of second half of it. And you know, while the action was good and everything like that, I just couldn't get past uh, Daniel Craig's massive ego. <laughs> 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 I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I didn't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I thought in terms of the pacing was no problem. I thought that was brilliant how it was paced. It was just all the things sort of around it were just a bit I don't know. Yeah. Strange one. On the fence. Uh, and the thing is, if the if they're not gonna get Christopher Nolan to direct one of these things, they need to move away from his style of filmmaking. <laughs> yes, yeah. Which is what the last three in particular have been. Yeah. They've been very Nolan esque in their execution. They even yeah. got Ham Zimmer on scoring duty on this one. It's a great <laughs> score. It's really good. It's a brilliant score. Absolutely brilliant. But it just feels like they're always sort of trying to almost ape what Nolan is doing and he's better at doing that than, than these other filmmakers because that is his style. <laughs> That's true. So unless you can get him to get do the next one, like, plough your own furrow, I would say. Oh, lovely expression. I do like that. I do really hope they give Danny Bowl the next one because it's quite obvious that, the, that it was him and Daniel Craig butting heads why he like. Well, I say obvious. That's my conspiracy theory on it. <laughs> um, after, it after those credits rolled, the first thing that came to my head was, I wish I'd seen Danny Ball's version. I think that was yes. my immediate thought because at least it would have been a bit more sort of adventurous filmmaking wise. Um, Fukunaga was great. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's a really talented director, but it felt like the leash was on him a little bit. 
and certain elements of it were a bit by the numbers, at least visually. For me, anyway, I just thought it looked really drab, that second half of it. Um, yeah, I hope they give it, give the next one to a, a bit of a ballsy filmmaker who's not going to be, you know, just a, a sort of nodding dog for the producers. Mm. If Daniel Craig's on producing duties for the next one, fuck me. Uh, <laughs> imagine, imagine he gets to retain his producer. <laughs> Honestly, nothing, nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me here. Um, hey, like, may not be, like Daniel Craig is a fantastic actor, and I do think oh, he really yeah. is. He's going to do some amazing stuff in the yeah. next ten years. I'm certain of it. Mm. I do think this is is that the sort of highest he's got in terms of acting as James Bond. It's a great performance. I'm just not sure it suits James Bond as a character and as a franchise at this point. So I'm glad it's finished. I'm glad it's done. I'm glad they got it out of the way. And yeah, I just hope that they 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 make it fun again. I think. I hope they make it, you know, make sense again. Make Bond make sense again. That's <laughs> what would be nice. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really glad you enjoyed your cinema trips, though. And, and whatever we say about it, um, the money that it's making here in the UK has probably, you know, gone a long way to saving the cinema industry here in the UK. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah, I've got to be yeah, hugely um, positive about that. I have to say, the cinema I went to, I went to um, a Curzon in in Aldgate in East London. And I went on Saturday morning in the hope that it would be an empty screening. And it was an empty screening. And I sat down in my seat, had my popcorn, had my drink, perfect seat right in the middle. And then this couple sat right next to me. Oh, <laughs> I, I was mean, just like, I was like, uh, are you, are you, did mean, you move? The, I'd have moved. I'd have moved. And the guy was like, yeah, we, we bought these seats. Yeah. And I was like, why? Why have they but put you next to me? There was about six people in the entire screen, and I was just like, <laughs> "Fuck's sake!" But I'd been shopping, so I had loads of bags and stuff, and I was just like, "I can't be asked moving." But this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make friends? No, he was a he was a Wally. <laughs> <laughs> a word that doesn't get used enough. I do enjoy talking. That you know. When you get couples going to the cinema and the and oh, the other no. and the other half clearly hasn't seen any film previously and just constantly So who's that then? Who's just watch the film and it'll tell you. <laughs> watch it. Oh, yeah. That's James Bond, you know who that is, don't you? Right, good. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Fuck off. Wallies. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness me. But anyway, it was uh Lovely experience. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got any other shout outs? Uh, anything else you've seen uh, that you'd like to shout out? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind just shouting out a couple of things. So, um, on Amazon Prime, I caught up with a horror film from last year called Saint Maud. So, this is in particular a British horror film, Ooh. which is confidently directed by Rose Glass. I believe it's her feature debut. And it tells the story of Maud, a newly devout hospice nurse who becomes obsessed with saving her dying patient's soul. So the film kind of plays things creepy and ambiguous, never allowing the audience to fully know for sure whether Maud is experiencing a real spiritual awakening or a full-on mental health emergency. Narratively, it feels a tiny bit stretched despite its 80-minute runtime, but there is no denying that this is a well-made slice of slow-burn horror that builds to a truly electrifying 
bone-chilling crescendo. Honestly, the last 10 minutes of this movie are absolutely incredible. I was sat downstairs watching it on my own. I was like, this is good, this is good. I'm not especially scared. And then the last 10 minutes kicked in and I audibly yelped like, (laughs) 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 That is Uh, enough enough to make me watch it. Because obviously... Same here. Tis the season um, yeah. for films like this, and you know we, we're always on the lookout for stuff like that. So yeah, I'll definitely check it out. It almost lulls you into a sense of complacency. It was reminding me a lot of um, you know that Jeff Nichols film uh, Take Shelter with Michael Shannon, where yeah, he keeps yeah. on seeing visions of the apocalypse, and you don't know if he's having a, a bit of an episode or if he's or if he's actually for real. And this is what it does, and it's like, all right, well, I know which way this is going to go, and then it goes a completely different way. It's going <laughs> really? To oh, my me. word. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, it's really good. Really good. I love this, like, uh, I love this little, like, low-key revival of British horror films. Like, yeah. There's been some yeah. really Real good nice. ones last few years, haven't there? Like, you know, and, and, like, genuinely good films as well, so not, like, a, a sort of cheap thrills horror, just, like, genuinely good uh, good movies so yeah another one to check out yeah awesome and i'd also like to just bring up the last jewel because this is ridley scott back in hysterical uh, in uh, this is ridley scott <laughs> hysterical hysterical <laughs> well for, for one it's actor in particular funny, it's it? it's hysterical <laughs> it's not very funny at all it's honest. not very funny at all. <laughs> Uh, Ridley Scott is back in historical epic mode with his ha- with this handsomely mounted but brutal depiction of systemic misogyny in 14th century France. So there's a real abundance of testosterone and posturing going on in this film, but it's actually Jodie Comer who gradually mm. emerges as the standout, proving to anyone who had any doubt that she's an absolute acting powerhouse. Though, a special mention must go to Ben Affleck, who is having an absolute (laughs) whale of a time as a sort of sweary and really horny live-action version of King John from Disney's Robin Hood. It's absolutely (laughs) brilliant. (laughs) I saw a picture of him in it. It's insane. The the performance is even better. And to the point that, like, you're looking at this, when you first see him, because the first time you see him in the film, he doesn't say anything. You just see the look, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't going to work." And then when he, when the performance actually kicks in, it's he's superb. He's really, really good. Oh, he's, right. this he's, is one of the, he's like the main supporting character. He's not one of the leads, and he's fantastic. And yeah, it's occasionally a little heavy-handed, but it's a really thought-provoking grown-up drama that makes the most of its multiple-perspective narrative before delivering the sort of virtuoso medieval smackdown that is now synonymous with Scott's epics and I just love Ridders and it's unfortunate that nobody's gone to see this movie. Really? Yeah. Gosh. Well because it was expensive by the looks of things. Yeah, I think it's something like a hundred million dollar budget. Oh. Yeah, I'd I'd seen an, an article, particularly in America, it had an absolutely abysmal opening weekend. Like I think it got like four million or something, which is just <sighs> on a hundred million dollar budget is just absolutely terrible so i felt duty bound to go and see it uh for ridders because you know obviously he's had hit, hits and misses but he is still without question one of the best living directors yeah um not only 100%. brit not only that britain has but you know western cinema has he's brilliant you know his films are always worth a watch for better or worse i think but um so yeah i, I would see it as well i really really thought it was fantastic and and i went with my other half and she loved it as well um and yeah just to echo what james said 
Jodie Comer is the real deal. She's so good in this film. And yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. I, I thought it was exceptional. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's going to come out of it all right, despite the bomb, obviously. Affleck, Driver and Damon are three of the three A-list movie stars. Ridley Scott has got another film coming out next month. I think the Gucci film with Lady Gaga, yeah. so that'll probably oh, be a hit. Is that he's been a that busy quickly? dude. Yeah, he's shot two. He's eighty-four years old. He shot two movies during the pandemic, where he is very much in an <laughs> at-risk category. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Uh, but I, I, I went to. Uh, I'm going to be very wanky here. I went to a, a conversation with um, Denis Villeneuve about June. I was going to ask you about this, mate. Anyway, mm. so you know, and. He mentioned this actually. They were talking, they went on to Blade Runner, and he was saying how Ridley Scott has so many irons in the fire at any one time. Yeah, and Blade Runner was one of those where it was just maybe one too many. So they needed to hand it off over to another director, and he was sort of handpicked to do it after um, Arrival, I think. Yeah, it was after Arrival. Yeah, but yeah, interesting. Like Ridley Scott, just, just eighty four, and he's working his nuts off. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. I love it. And he's about to go into production on a Napoleon epic as well with Joaquin Phoenix and Jodie Comer again. So even Jodie Comer's not going to be hurt by this because no, Ridley signed not. her up again. And she had a yeah. huge hit earlier in the summer with Free Guy, didn't she? So Yeah. And Adam Driver's in the Gucci film as well, isn't he? And he is, yeah. yeah. That's mm. going to... I think that's going to make up the loss for this, I think. To I mean, it's honest. got Lady Gaga in it. It'll do huge box yeah. office. It can yeah. put, Pandemic-wise, anyway. Yeah. It looks absolutely insane. I can't wait. I just love how he jumps around from from one genre to another. Uh, we're going to miss him when he's gone. I mean, hopefully he, he carries really on are. making movies for another 10 years, but who's the next Rid- Ridley Scott? Who's coming up? To, who's, who can do what Ridley can do? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And a sobering thought, that as well, actually. For myself, this um, last couple of weeks, I know I told you guys that I was very excited because Expedition Bigfoot had come to uh, Discovery Plus. Um, I finished it last week, um, the whole series. Did they find him? Can I shock shock you? They they didn't find him. (laughs) Surely that means another season, though. Uh, Season three has been greenlit. They can't end it until they find him, or until until halfway through shooting the series, they find the cameras just... It's like... No one, the, the whole crew have been just dismembered, and it's just the, it's like, shit, they oh, found him. We found him, oh, yeah, fuck. we found him. <laughs> he killed him. He found him. Uh, yeah, right, I'm going to put this right out here, right now, and say that um, I, I would really like. Um, in future, I, I, I want to be invited onto one of these shows. I'm going to do whatever I can. I can do to make sure that one day I get to be on one of these. So you can not find Bigfoot as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I can be the normal guy on it. You know, like, you know, when they're all pointing in the bushes going like, oh, I heard something. I'm like, well, I didn't. There's nothing there. Like, <laughs> I didn't hear a thing. <laughs> didn't hear anything. <laughs> We've got something on thermals. Have you? <laughs> I'm not sure you have. <laughs> but um, ne- nevertheless, oh, I love all this stuff. It's so much fun. Um, so, but no, I don't think I don't think I've watched anything else. Uh, my son is absolutely obsessed with um, car. I don't know the GTA engine or whatever has been used by someone who is doing car crash simulators on YouTube. 
Um, um, my son will just watch hours of this. <laughs> so I do as well. <laughs> by proxy. When your son grows up, his nostalgia is going to be just YouTube videos. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? I'm so impressed by this. No, I, I've I've been I've been forcing Roger Moore Bond movies down his neck as well, though. So um, you know he'll have those quite rightly too. Um. <laughs> just before we move on, Rob, uh, I just wanted to say because I think you'd appreciate this, Rob. Oh yeah. Um, I I also watched. Um, I had a hankering to check out Old this week. You know. <laughs> How was it? Shyamalan. Have you seen it? No, Rob. So we sat down last night to rent it because we wanted to see it at the cinema, but we, we it passed us by. Um, went to rent it. Can't rent it anywhere. Don't know why. So I had to buy it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I had to buy old. If you want the login, Rob, uh, by all means, please take it. And, and watch the Kenny it. Loggins? Yeah, because uh, I'm not wasting a purchase of old <laughs> to watch once. <laughs> Never, never gonna watch it again. What did they uh, charge you if you don't mind me asking? Uh, ten pounds. Oh, that's all right. It's all that's right. It's not too. That's bad, all right. But, yeah. um, it was, but I, I really liked it. <laughs> yes, because Shyamalan is the bomb. Well, I, I mentioned it on here, didn't I? Because I saw it yeah. when it was on the big screen, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I think I gave it like three stars at the time on Letterboxd. And I've thought about it a lot since I've watched yeah. it. And I reckon when I watch it again, I'm going to bump it up a star. <laughs> really yes. Well, yeah. I, I have this this stupid rule on my Letterbox where I don't I don't fuck about with half stars. No, no, like, do I? I either commit or don't. You know. So I give it four. It's obviously unintentionally hilarious, as Shyamalan movies tend to be, you know. Um, <laughs> yes. But honestly, I, I found like the theme of mortality and the inevitability of growing old, like really scary, but also really touching in places. And it, I, it really sort of got to me as a film. I, re- yeah, really liked it. <laughs> I thought it was good. Oh, it's ace, man. Yeah, I, I definitely. Ace. It got a bit of a kick in on release. As his films generally do, he's he's do. he has got to be the most polarizing director. Oh going, yeah, I think. Yeah, especially nowadays, since since his sort of semi revival after Last Airbender sort of killed his career for a bit, and since he's come back a bit with his self financing his own films and what have you, he's done loads of interesting stuff. Yeah, and he's he's very very polarizing, very divisive. But I really dug it. I didn't like how it was shot. I thought it looked really. He, he does this weird thing where not everything's framed properly so there's like actors speaking and they're kind of out of frame yeah. and it's just like oh, yeah, wasn't into that. that wasn't into he's that. always done stuff like that though like I remember in the village and things like that he would always put, and Deacon shot that and he would always put the camera in really weird yeah. places and frame things quite oddly but yeah, I, I, the old is is good fun. I mean, if you don't like Shyamalan, this isn't going to win you over. But for those of us who just like want to see him take a swing every time, yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. I'm. And that's why I love him. He, he's not going to, uh, you know, he's not going to prat about making anything mediocre. The, and the thing is, he's, he's it did box office as well. It did really, yeah. really good numbers at the box oh, office. Oh, did it? It wasn't a very expensive film to make either. It must have only cost like twenty. 25 30 million dollars or something like that mm. and it was i think it went number one at the u.s box office and did really wow. well wow yeah because it's just like a um a just sort of a a good little mystery like a confusing it's not a horror film it's not really you know it's not particularly scary or anything but um 
yeah, I, I, I thought, story-wise at least, I really dug it. I thought it was I'm very surprised how much I enjoyed it, actually. And I, I do think it's going to be one of those films that will stay with me for a while, because, as I say, I, I got quite, um you know, it's going to push me over the edge into a full-blown midlife crisis. I'm going to buy, like, a Porsche or something. <laughs> 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 lovely. Uh, what, uh, what a lovely catch-up. What a lovely little chit-chat. Um, I, can we move on to tonight's film? Because, frankly, I can't wait any longer. I'm so excited to talk about this <laughs> with you both. Can I just throw a log line in there right now? Please um, do. Please do. I, I, I stupidly... because Sorry, this is my pick. And I totally forgot, as I always do with a log line, always forget to pick the, you know, to get something sorted. Um, so off the top of my head, <laughs> two mismatched cops, um, loads of people. <laughs> um, and that's about it. <laughs> Of in course, Little Tokyo. It's showdown in Little Tokyo from 1991. <laughs> For over 400 years, they've developed their own mysterious traditions. For over 400 years, they've had a strict code of honor and unparalleled standards of respect. For over 400 years, they have terrorized the streets of Japan. Now... They want to control the city of Los Angeles. Determined to leave their mark in blood. Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee are ready for a showdown in Little Tokyo. They're two L.A. cops who are hungry for a little Take out. Dolph Lundgren. Brandon Lee. Showdown in Little Tokyo. So usually I would ask you both what your relationship with this film is, but I'm going to ask you instead, did I force this on you both together or separately? <laughs> <laughs> My recollection is it was in that big binder of DVDs. That, so we all went on a uh, on a Spanish holiday, didn't we? When we yes. finished university, and um, we were staying in lovely villa. And before we'd go out, we'd pre-game, as the kids call it, by having a few <laughs> beers and watching a truly awesome action movie. We also watched uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo one time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is quite a good sort of pre-game movie because it's barely a movie. It lasts an hour and ten minutes. (laughs) When I saw the runtime, could not believe it. Like, one hour fifteen, just with credits. Just like, oh my god. So yeah, that's our relationship with it. Uh, And to be honest, this was like a first watch. I can't remember. I will have been drunk the first time I saw it, so I I can't remember much about it. Well, we used to use action movies as hangover cures, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't remember. I mean, I've definitely seen it like one hundred percent. So I, I'm glad you felt you uh, joined the dots there. So that because that's obviously where I've seen. Because <laughs> I recall it, but um, 
obviously not the the details of it, but uh, the detail a detailed drawing. Because <laughs> I think I, I I don't think I'd seen I, I'd watched it as a kid because I think this was maybe a bit too niche for me <laughs> in terms of that that era of cinema, that era of action cinema, which kids would absolutely lap up. Um, I think I was still on a like just Van Damme and stuff. But, yeah, uh, Lundgren's definitely the the step below Van Damme and oh, Seagal, yeah. isn't he? So the top tier would be Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Then your next tier is sort of Van Damme, Seagal, and then Lundgren and the like. I'm so sorry. The, 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 the reason that I uh, and this would be the reason I brought it to our attention this week is that I wasn't there for Lundgren ever. Yeah. It was Brandon Lee, why I was there because um, uh, such a fan of of Brandon Lee's burgeoning career until The Crow stopped it short. Because I always thought, and I've always thought since, that we were robbed of a really brilliant, sort of sensitive action star who really could do it all. You know, and I'm I'm don't I'm I'm not saying this is the vehicle in which he exhibited that. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in, in his early career, up to and including the crow, he really showed that we we really lost out when he died. So that's one of the reasons um I wanted to bring this back. But also Comedy value. There is huge <laughs> comedy Yeah, we need to discuss there is huge comedy value in talking about this film, which I just couldn't wait to do with you guys. Um and our listeners as well. Um so please listeners, when you've seen this or if you've seen this, please chuck us your insight on this. <laughs> um but I'd always I'd always enjoyed it. I'd always thought it was like Wow, this is rude. This is naughty. <laughs> Flipping heck. You know, certainly is. People are getting iced. Um, so obviously when I was like 16, 17, this was like, wow, what a movie this is. Obviously now I've grown up quite a bit. Not as much as, you know, probably I should have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, this film's it's not a very... It's not very nuanced, well, is it? Well, <laughs> so when was the last time you? When was the last time you saw this? Oh, I think I think it was probably ten years ago. Wow, probably more actually, because um, it doesn't get very many airtime, very much airtime on television at all, no. uh, or anything like that. So, well, no, because the, the, there's so many films, alternative films in this era and in this ilk that you wouldn't really. This wouldn't be high on many people's list to revisit, wouldn't it? You know, if you're having a a sort of action movie, late eighties, early nineties action movie festival, this isn't really going to be on there, is it? It's not, but I, it always was for me because if people came around my house and said like, and I said to them, "Should we watch a movie?" and they were like, "Yeah, I'm in the mood for an action movie," I'm like, "Can I suggest Showdown Little Tokyo?" Brackets, you know, in my head, it has the funniest line of dialogue of all time, and I'm just going to spend the whole movie waiting. Till you guys see that. Also, like, I really want to watch a movie, but um, I don't suppose you've got anything sub one hour twenty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> perfect before bed. You know, the the buzz is just ebbing away. Oh, it's perfect. So Absolutely cool. perfect. Um, so I, I, again, like I always do, I just chuck this towards you guys, and you guys both said yes, we can do this. So um, it must qualify, James. Is it because of budget and box office? Well, yeah, it didn't actually fare very well at the box office this one so a bit of context so warner brothers hated this film and <laughs> it's their film by the way yes. listeners it's their film <laughs> and basically they re-edited it 
and only gave it a limited theatrical run in the United States, Mexico, Australia, Italy, Israel, and Hungary. I wonder how they landed on some of those countries. (laughs) (laughs) And rife misogynism at the time. (laughs) (laughs) So, except for those markets, the film was released direct-to-video in 1992, and as a result, it only grossed uh, 2.275 million worldwide at the box office against a production budget of $8 million. Yeah, because that's one of the reasons why this film is so short, isn't it? Because, yeah, Warner Brothers just cut it to pieces. (laughs) The best bit of trivia I read on this is that uh, the director, uh, Mark Lester, he handed in a, a cut that was... 90 minutes long and they went that's way too long can we take 19 minutes out of it please <laughs> like where is where are those execs nowadays like it were going you know when they're going yeah i've got this i've got this um, comic book movie that's two hours 40 where, where are them going <laughs> yeah like, too long mate too long get it down to 90 minutes Imagine that you turn in something that's a tight ninety, and they go, "Oh, this is insufferable!" <laughs> like, we, what? Uh, how long does it have to be so we can get it into a movie theatre <laughs> as a feature? <laughs> and why? Why uh, cut it down? Why spend money cutting it down if you think it's an absolute turkey? Why not? If you're just going to dump it anyway, why not just put it out uh, in its ninety-minute so form? Exactly. I'd love to see the ninety-minute, the Lester cut. Yeah, it might actually make <laughs> some sense. <laughs> Well, there was that. There was another good bit of trivia as well, where he was really disheartened by like the script changes and the the original screenwriter as well, who was involved in the very first draft or early drafts. Yes, it was a lot more serious. And then what? Whichever bloody coke fiend Hollywood writers <laughs> jumped on board to turn it into this tongue in cheek <laughs> like jape fest. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> which, they then, which they then just hated anyway. <laughs> so it's just like... No, you were right. It's um, It was written by Stephen Glantz and Callie Brattlestreet, who um, Brattlestreet herself said that um, she was appalled with the result <laughs> um, because um, they'd written a very serious sort of culture clash uh, action movie uh, and none of that came across. Um, <laughs> it has to be added as well that Glantz and Brattlestreet were married at the time as well. Not that, that makes a great deal of difference, but um, it, it shows that they both, you know, like I can imagine, like them as a married couple writing showdown in Little Tokyo. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is like the idea is quite is interesting. So the, the central idea is that a um, geezer who's been raised in Japan uh, comes back to LA to be a cop. Um, he's partnered with a um, cop of Asian descent who has always been always lived in America who you know he says I was raised in the valley yeah. <laughs> um, he and and they yeah they try and take down the Yakuza there now the way that that sounds in my head sounds a lot better than what we ended up with <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't mean I love it less. Does not mean I love it less. These are my favourite kind of episodes where Rob puts a film forward and then after he's rewatched it, he's like, oh, this is rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> there might be a bit of that today. There might be a little bit. Um, so uh, we know that, we, well, we've got a qualification, but do we have 
the Tony Aboa 25-yard bar and in. Do we have double qualification, Si? Cr- uh, critical reception? Uh... I mean, on the surface, yes. But it's a bit <laughs> difficult to sort of quantify it because there's just really no coverage on the aggregate size. There's nothing on Metacritic for this film at all. Oh, wow. Um, it's got an extremely lowly 33% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's only like eight or nine critics. Yeah. And none of those are the sort of big hitters you would usually sort of associate, especially certainly on the stateside press. So no sheriff? Oh, Mick's never seen this film. Yeah, I, with it being a bit of an oldie, uh, I mean, I reckon Ebert and LaSalle five-starred it and would have raised the... Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, yeah, they're, they're not going to see this rubbish, are they? <laughs> Obviously, like it fares a little better audience-wise. Slightly less embarrassing, 51%, but still not great. And a pretty solid... Pretty solid 3.0 average on Letterboxd, actually, which is higher than a lot of the films we cover um, <laughs> on Letterboxd. Um, mainly due to reviews like this one from Bad Taste that says, my favourite type of movie, Dolph Lundgren is in it, and it's barely 80 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so specific. <laughs> Bad Taste gave it four stars. But there was this also uh, this really good one from someone called Sydney. Only two stars, sadly, but the review's great. The 80s and 90s were so fucking wild. Just non-stop racism and misogyny. But then out of nowhere, it's like, let's make Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren take their shirts off so we can tie them up and torture them because that's a totally normal heterosexual thing to do. <laughs> love it, love it, uh, love it. There was a lot of homoerotic undertones on this film also. I, I mean, uh, this is one of the reasons I think I love it. It's because... <laughs> There's more than your average action movie going on here. Yeah, layers, Rob. I think you'll find they are layers to <laughs> show down a little talk. <laughs> so, right. Oh. Well, I think without further ado, I'd really like to get into this because i got so many notes here and so many questions I've got for you guys. Yeah. Um, so if we could dive straight in and we'll pick things up as we go. Can I, can I ask a question? Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys... I, I didn't notice, but does this film have a musical theme? What do you mean, like a theme, like a like like a repetitive theme that gets used <laughs> twenty to thirty times more than it should have been used? Oh, and then when we need to be sensitive, I love how you know the tunes. Yeah. What what's the um, bad guy one though? Because that was the one which grated on me. Whenever <laughs> whenever the villain Yoshida rocked up, uh, there was a certain tune he had. And it really um, wound me. <laughs> but the, <laughs> the, me- the main theme, bam, 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 bam. That one. That must have been used thirty times throughout. <laughs> I quite it, enjoyed it, it the first ten. <laughs> It is an amazingly <laughs> glorious eighties tune. It really it? is. Can we can we talk about David Michael Frank on on the yeah. on the keys here? Because um, welcome back to the podcast, David Michael Frank. Good to see. You. Why did Thank he do uh, Red Shoe Diaries, which is referred to? Quite- <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got to that part, mate. Honestly, we, that could be minutes and minutes and minutes when we get there. Uh, no, this is obviously ninety one. What a year he had in ninety one, right? He did three movies in 91. What do you think those three movies were? 
some sort of softcore pornography. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon there's a Seagal in there. A hard yes, there to is. kill. Hard to kill, maybe. No, in fact, I'll give you that. He he did Hard to Kill the year before in 1990. Oh, right. Wow. And he did Nico in uh, 89 as well, uh, or Above the Law, as we know it as. Um, but you're right, there's another Seagal in there. You've done three Seagals? He's done three Seagals, yeah. Oof. Nico in 89, Hard to Kill in 90. He did, in 91, he did Showdown in Little Tokyo, another Seagal, and another incredible movie. Is it Mark for Death? Is that the? No, that was also another nineteen ninety. No, he did Out for Justice from this parish. Oh wow, he did that one. Well, yeah. yeah. So there's he's got a, a lot third... of parallels to this film, and um... oh, oh, yeah. yeah, musically as well. <laughs> uh, but he also did a third film in nineteen ninety one, uh, featuring a uh, very large steroidal wrestler. Oh, Suburban Commando. Yes, he did. Wow, he did the music wow, for Suburban James. Commando. Uh, don't sue us. Um, I think it's been proven that Hulk Hogan was on steroids at the time. So um... <laughs> He's a massive racist anyway, isn't he? So it's fine. <laughs> All of this is academic. You can find it anywhere. So. <laughs> um, yeah, not only that, he also did additional music on The Mask in 94. Um, he was, uh, and he also wrote a song called Webster's Boomer on the Forrest Gump soundtrack. So uh, let's not forget that. Um, so th- this is all come from the title sequence. So we've got the lovely bow, 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 bow. For a showdown in Tokyo. <laughs> yes, it all worked. Um, lovely old school Warner Brothers logo in the clouds. When I saw this, that usually meant this movie is going to be the absolute flipping bee's knees. Um, so I was they always begrudgingly delighted. put it on the start. Like, oh, yeah. do we have to? Do we have to put it on? <laughs> We've hacked your movie to bits, but go on. Can we not form a small offshoot company just so we don't have to put Warner yeah. Brothers crapo pictures? And then we get the titles on a tattooed body. Um, right now, so I'm watching this. Right, so the the tattoos, sorry, the, the the titles are sort of projected onto this body, and I'm thinking if you swap the music out for nobody does it better, <laughs> you know, it's the it's a Bond opening sequence. Glang, 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 No, it is. It works. I'm going to try this this week. So by the time the episode comes out, I'm going to try and make sure you can see this. I always give credit to practical title reveals on the openings of movies. So I was all in for this, as as homoerotic as it was. Oh, yeah. I want to see words on man bubes. Yeah, just just the projection was quite nice. It was good to have a practical title rather than just Mm. shaky, wobbly, generic titles. (laughs) Um, and we we come in and um, we're at a club and Tatsu is back welcome back to the uh, the podcast Toshishiro Obato from um, Ninja Turtles yes love it Um, and there's an illegal fight going on and Dolph is introduced he's eating for most of this great to see Drago back in the ring after all these years (laughs) (laughs) yes and he's not I say this now, but he's not exactly exuding movie star charisma here. No. In this opening scene. So this film is directed by Mark L. Lester, who 
directed action masterpiece Commando. So if you wanted, like, if you ever thought that, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger was too naturalistic and, you know, too believable in this role, then here's Dolph Lundgren. If you wanted to see a charisma-free version of that movie, (laughs) (laughs) so what you get here. (laughs) I think he warms into it a little. He does, yeah, yeah. But But he's he's quite hard going, isn't he? He's, uh, He's quite wooden. And I, I was, to be honest with you, I, I don't think you know he's made a, he's had a great career, London. But outside of the Drago, him playing Drago, I don't I don't think I've ever really rated him that highly. Well, no, you're right. I mean, he's been reduced to not really even having a role in the Expendables. You know, I mean, like <laughs> is it, they don't really give him lines or anything like that in the Expendables, as far as I remember. But um, I haven't seen the last two. I don't think of those. Oh no, they're still making. Oh, yeah, they're, 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 they're filming. They're filming one at the minute, aren't they? Um, well, good for all that. He's a he's a sexy man though. He looks oh, like yeah. he, he absolutely looks chiselled out of granite. Yeah, absolutely looks the part. He's wearing the shit out of that short leather jacket he's got on when he. I, I mean, we have some serious wardrobe discussions to have here, basically. I mean, it, it gets it only gets worse that we can only. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a fight breaks out. Because he's there, and it's Squib City. You know, like last time we were saying about how um, real squibs look better. Um, yep. This this is so great. Everyone's getting waxed all over the place. Because he's just he's just doing a thinking he's doing a bust on this illegal betting thing, but it gets sort of gate crashed by the yakuza mm. who starts shooting the place up. Um, gorgeous yakuza, yeah, the yakuza in their gorgeous big suit jackets. Oh, like, yeah, I love it. Like love it. the nineteen ninety six Chicago Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> Everything double breasted. Yeah, yeah, just 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 massive, massive suits. Clearly using Denzel Washington's tailor. <laughs> <laughs> but Huge swagger, suits. The swagger with them is amazing. Like, <laughs> I just imagine like underneath it all, they've got double breasted underpants as well. <laughs> So, so I'm guessing. I, I, I'm guessing that the yakuza have only recently come to America. That appears to be the suggestion. Yeah, they don't yeah. make a great job of explaining that, but yes, I think that's what's inferred. It was cut out in the original uh, Mark L. Lester mammoth ninety-minute cut. <laughs> mammoth. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for Sky to do a black and white version of. <laughs> the director's yeah. cut you've all been waiting for. Oh, what's this? What's it going to be? The Lester Callio Brattle Street cut. But it's, I mean, it's, uh, immediately the action is all very, very practical. And that is something yeah. that I immediately love. And I love the fact that, uh, oh, everyone's whacking each other. Everyone's getting shot to pieces. <laughs> Nothing is, there's no. Uh, mystique to this it's just people are getting shot to pieces in this movie body count out of the window <laughs> insane amount of people dying um, I, I just really really like oh, as a kid it was like whoa <laughs> yes yeah dude this is amazing I'll give this film one thing it's very pacey it doesn't have yes, to run yeah. at all there's an action yes, sequence was, of, uh, once it, like every three minutes in this. <laughs> seriously there is no scene longer than three minutes in this whole film <laughs> Seriously, most are about 90 seconds at tops, and that keeps things uh, diving forward at a very silly level. Um, It ends up with Lundgren's in the street, and everyone's escaping, and he jumps over the car. But this is after he shot at them. They've shot at him. He shot at them. 
and none of them have been hit. Like, are there just people in the background? Like, ah! <laughs> 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 blasted to pieces. Street vendors and families getting shot to bits. Uh, Rob, I think you've thrown away the moment there that Dolph jumps over a moving car. Like, yes. Dolph Lundgren <laughs> is like eight foot tall and must weigh about 300 pounds. <laughs> and he just casually leaps over this convertible that is yes. storming out. It clears it completely by like four feet. <laughs> I, I, I often wonder, and I've wondered this since the very moment I saw this, and I don't really want to say this too loud, but I'll allow it whether this is an accurate depiction of police work. (laughs) (laughs) It's certainly not an accurate depiction of plain clothes police attire because he basically wears a leather jacket with with like a dragon on the back of it or something. It's got a huge rising sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those shirts that teenagers wear, you know, when they want to get served in the pub when they're like 16. (laughs) That's a a dragon on the front. (laughs) This dragon will guide me. (laughs) And he sets that leather jacket off lovely with a a wife beater and mustard corduroys. Right, let's talk this through. Because he's wearing it the following morning because it sort of carries on. He's having breakfast in a restaurant in the following morning and and the proprietor of the restaurant comes on to him in a very awkward way. (laughs) A bit much. Um, I am too much woman for you. (laughs) Sorry, it's Chris Kenner. I think I think his name is Chris. Yeah, Sergeant Chris Kenner. Yeah, it's a bit of weird forever macking um, in this restaurant. Um, well, you don't know what they say at this point because because at the start they don't subtitle the Japanese. That's so right. Why do they not subtitle? <laughs> they subtitle everything else in the film, but not this moment. I was I was searching. I was like, oh, the subtitles aren't on. I want to know. I want to know what she's what this flirtatious behaviour is between this <laughs> this older lady and her gorgeous Dolph Lundgren. But no, there was no subtitles. It was obviously absolute film that they couldn't get past the censors. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, you cannot actually watch this on Amazon with subtitles. For So for those who are hard of hearing, can't enjoy Showdown oh, no. in Tokyo, no. which is outrageous. Y- you might have saved yourself, though. <laughs> Possibly. You could get the gist without the, yeah, uh, yeah. Hearing the dialogue, probably. Um, and then it just so happens that the... Um, the baddies from the night before also want to, you know, go and charge protection money from this place that mm. Kenner's having breakfast. I get the impression that coincidence happens quite a bit in, the, <laughs> yes. in both this film and in LA by proxy. Um, and yeah, obviously, uh, Dolph doesn't like it. He says, there's not a great line about, if I don't get breakfast, I get grumpy. <laughs> but don't worry, another coincidence is on the way because his partner arrives uh, looking for him, who is bedecked in a butlin's blazer uh, <laughs> here he is it's uh, johnny Murata, played by brandon lee and they fight each other well, <laughs> instead of the baddies the the, the yakuza are there to shake down the restaurant aren't they and yeah. instead of paying the protection money dolph just destroys the restaurant which probably got to cost more than the protection money would have yeah <laughs> Yeah, they were charging. So, um, so yeah, and then he has a fight with Brandon Lee, and then they both uh, one of the slowest fights ever. I don't know if the set wasn't big enough so that they couldn't move the camera around sufficiently, but it's one of the slowest fights. I think the action is generally all right in this movie, but this one, it it look there's like a wide master shot, and you can sort of every punch being telegraphed yes. in this particular standoff. <laughs> 
can I suggest why this might have... Yeah, go for it, yeah. I think legitimately, I mean, I know that Dolph um, athletically is an absolute specimen, but I don't think he's as, he's, he was ever as quick as Brandon Lee, um, who obviously was trained from, you know, toddler to yeah. in Wing Chun like his dad. And um, I just don't, I don't, I think there's like, when they're in scenes together, there are moments where it's it's so, wow, night and day obvious who the martial artist. genuine like martial art athletist athlete is and um when they were so when they were fighting against each other in this it was a little bit weird and clumsy and because Dolph is like waiting for the cuts like no we can cut here <laughs> you know that kind of thing um and uh, there's obviously you know because you, you do cut around to make someone look amazing yeah um but some people didn't need that and Brandon Lee I don't think was one of those people that really needed that I found this funny. Yeah, I did. I think it's just. I think it's more just a case that they didn't shoot enough coverage, so they just like <laughs> only got like two camera angles. So instead, yeah, and no close. Where they're, they're like they're arguing, they're, they're sort of like one's trying to do like a little little throw, and they they wrestle with it for a second. And it's like you pillocks, come on, <laughs> just get on with it. Just get on with it. Um, awfully, Brandon um, says, "I'm with Asian Task Force." That's not. A, that's that's not, not a real division. It's not a real division. <laughs> I mean, let's address the uh, the elephant in the room of movies from this time, um, where it's uh, quite racist and it's quite very misogynistic. So let's just do, do this Asian task force. Thing. It's just lazy, isn't it? Like. Um, it, it staggeringly so, and also, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, what I I hadn't remembered from being a kid was just how misogynistic this film is. I mean, it really, really, oh, it's not good. But we press on. Let's <laughs> we go. Press on. Let's keep going. We press on. <laughs> they they get one of the guys who's been knocked out. They take him back to the you know the the, the police station. This isn't an interrogation because obviously we know the limit on scenes is 90 seconds to three minutes. So you can't really interrogate anybody because uh, <laughs> those are the parameters. That's the world we exist in. It's, it, there's a tattoo on this fella and it reminds Dolph that, oh God, I saw this tattoo on the man that murdered my parents. Another coincidence. We've had yeah, another, another magnificent coincidence. <laughs> and then Dolph looks like he's, oh, I don't like saying this, but he, he goes into a bit like um, a Windows PC on shutdown mode. Right? <laughs> Let, let's give it. Let's give him some. Give him some kudos for speaking Japanese for a lot of it. Yes. Which I mean, I'm sure it. it you know, maybe to a, a Japanese person, it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> but um, I was quite impressed by it. I was like, oh, he's, he's speaking quite a lot here. It's not just like the odd line here and there. He. he yeah. Yeah. He has done quite a lot. He shouts it quite a lot, doesn't he, as well? So he obviously has got a handle on it. And then the um, the guy, uh, well, kills himself, snaps his own neck. Yes. Not I don't. You don't see that in a lot of films. No, no. It's, uh, I mean, they foolishly leave him unattended. And given that Dolph knows everything about Japanese culture, you would think that he'd be <laughs> he'd be all over this. <laughs> but no. <laughs> this this does raise a point, though. I quite enjoyed the fact that it wasn't. Uh, that that it was like they had expertise in each other's cultures, you know. That um, I quite like that. I don't think they played enough on this either. Actually, yeah. 
that the the two cops uh, were experts in sort of each other's perceived cultures. But yeah, breaking his own neck was the most insane thing I've ever seen. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, but the, that scene when the guy is dead on the floor and then the superior comes in and is like, oh no. <laughs> Just, Not again. Oh. And they're all like, well, he killed himself. So. <laughs> it's like this is standard issue. This is just normal. Oh, it's hilarious. Uh, we have some lovely car crusher action. The guy who owns the club gets all mashed up. Yeah. It's lovely. Do you think Matthew Vaughn nicked that for Kickass? It's very similar. That yeah, bit of course. The, the, the way they're all set up, just watching him. Yeah. And, uh, do you think yeah. was a, this was a key text in the inspiration for Matthew Vaughn? Key text? <laughs> if you're going to steal, steal from the greats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this steals from something else. I can't remember what it is. but I, I think... mean, I'm sure it's been done many times in these sort of mobster type. Yeah, movies. the old, yay old day car crusher, car crusher thing. But I do like that there's just there's goodies and there's baddies, and it's oh, it's very simple. clear cut. There's not yeah, a lot of nuance don't, in this. We don't movie. worry about no, this there stuff. is no there is no nuance. But what a bad guy, though. I mean, out of now all... this is it, man. Oh, he's back, isn't he? Carry Hiroyuku Tagawa. Welcome back to the podcast, you absolute flipping ledge. Shang Tsung himself. Shang Tsung, of course, who's in Shang Tsung. Uh, in Mortal Kombat, Shang Tsung. Um, he's just got the best like evil stare with his he really his eyebrows. Like he, when he stares you down, it's quite. Intense and terrifying. Oh um, yeah! So he's the big bad. Um, he is, and, he, and he's the sort of head of the yakuza and head of a brewery. Makes <laughs> uh, <laughs> sense. We put it like that. It, it, you know, in our, our northern voice, like, it sounds like you know, like he also owns Boddingtons. He's <laughs> got a little craft ale gig on the side. Love it. That's his passion. That's his real yeah. passion. Yeah. Making craft ale. He only he only chops off people's heads to make ends meet, but his past, real passion <laughs> is craft ale. Um, he's having a party. His old uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Yoshida. Yoshida. Yes. Yeah. Um, Kari Tagawa. They've got a party going on. The big baddies, and everyone's there apparently. Well, no, you know, like people involved with various stuff. But there's Angel is there, and Angel is uh, openly doing crystal meth at the party. <laughs> he's just stood there. How's you body. doing? How's you doing, LA? That's just LA, <laughs> LA life, mate. Vibes. Yeah. <laughs> and Tia Carrera doesn't like that. It's like, oh, g- g- turn your judgment off. You're partying with the Yakuza. What's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> I've, you've just shown up at the Yakuza's birthday party. <laughs> you just. Now you're throwing shade. Um, How did you expect party rings and pass the parcel? It's <laughs> Angel is played by Renee Ullman, um, who is a lovely uh, vaccine denier. Oh. Yeah. I'm glad she's not a prominent voice in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, she starts talking about someone who got waxed there and... And, you know, blah blah blah. Gets her head chopped off. She's got she's got a big mouth. Basically, she's in the yeah. toilet and she's she's giving it the big one because she's on the crystal meth and she's, you know, pr- which I'm sure the writers of the script were on when they wrote <laughs> some of the lines. <laughs> and she, uh, well, yeah, we she gets her head locked off. Yeah, I mean, a beheading in a lovely plush office. Topless uh, beheading. Yeah, well. it's, a, <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's it's. I on the sort of like the internal bubes counter. This was um, 
third or fourth time we've seen. So. Oh yeah, there's a lot of boobies in this movie. There's a lot yeah. of shameless, shameless eight, late eighties, early nineties boobage going on in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> no less for this bit, which it's a bit dark when he gets the samurai sword out. Oh, it's not nice. This there's nice. also, I mean, I mean, there's a lot of topless ladies in this film, but there's also a lot of topless men in this film. There's oh, a lot yeah. of there's a yes. lot of that. You know, it was all set up with the sexy opening, really. Of the, the really, <laughs> oh yes. Uh, but Brandon Lee and <laughs> the Dolph somehow have a lead. I don't know how. There's no. There is no. This just moves so quickly. I don't know what's happening. I Honestly, don't it's been I don't, absolutely I chopped to pieces. This film. It and has. Yeah. It has. One thread doesn't really follow on from another. We just no. know that they have to investigate this crime. And I can't even really remember what... I only watched this yesterday and I can't remember what order the scenes come in. No, like, no, because there's so, no anchor points between the scenes, really. No, it's just like, right, now this happens, now this happens, now this happens. Yeah. Not like, this happens because of this. Or, you know, there's no yes. cause and effect at all. It's just and, like, as right, a 16-year-old, this was obviously ace. Because <laughs> you, know, you don't need explanations. <laughs> I didn't need them at all. Um, all I really remember from this moment is that, that they, if you take plot out of it, they decided to go and watch the Nudie Bear sumo wrestling. Yeah. That's all that's really gone on. <laughs> and there's... <laughs> There's naked women on the floor having sushi all over them. Tia Carrera is there. You know, she can't talk about anyone else's morals. She's the lead singer in the nudie bear sushi naked lady restaurant. <sighs> Have dear. we had the bit at the brewery yet with the bikers? No, no. That See, that's <laughs> that's about 10 minutes from the end. No, the when the bikers are making a deal. Yeah, and uh, no, I know, I know what you mean. No, that it's really, it's much close to the end. That one. is it. Oh dear. Yeah. I, to be honest, when you're at the beginning, you're quite close to the end of this film. So very <laughs> <laughs> true. Well, um, well, we we just get a, a a few series of bits where we just show how much of a bastard Yoshida is. Um, yeah. This being one of them. Um, and he he comes with this. You mentioned the heroic score was really, but but he his score, his little villain motif, sounds like the bloody unsolved mysteries feature. <laughs> <laughs> Let, oh. Let's just call it how it is. David Michael Frank is on form here. <laughs> well, you could call it that. Uh, <laughs> Still working today. Still working today. Is he? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, they end up in a fight with people. It's another good fight. Yeah, the fight scene is good. It is. A, it's more a lovely... coverage this time. Hold it, hiding Dolph's slowness, and there's a good juxtaposition between Brandon Lee's athleticism and and London's brute force. Yes. So that works much better in this particular sequence. Absolutely. Totally agree. They get taken back to see Yoshida. Um, Yoshida is obviously... <laughs> he doesn't really hide the fact that he killed Kenneth's parents. <laughs> Just, you know, last uh, Kenneth says, last time I saw you, your face matched. What? <laughs> what? Matched what? I don't understand. I don't understand the line. And he's like, oh, yes, you know, you you, you were there when I <laughs> stabbed your parents to death. <laughs> That's awful. Um, uh, there's awkward comedy beats from Brandon Lee during this period, and I think this is more down to um, him being a young actor and probably not very great director <laughs> as well. Um <laughs> But he redeems it within seconds because when he gets outside, he realises Kenner's got a secret. And he's got this brilliant 
like line, sorry, bleep central here. Listen, you sin warrior fucking samurai asshole. <laughs> that is a line and a half. What a line that is. Well, the best thing about this line was, Rub, he, he doesn't deliver it whilst in the car with him. He, he gets out of the car and climbs over the bonnet to jump and shout at him through the through the yeah, he's, he's the shouting it through the, as he's diving over the car. It's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. He was in the car with him. He could have just said it in the car. <laughs> yeah, he could have just. <laughs> and then when he gets the explanation, you know, of why Kenner might not be happy, which Kenner's not done a great job of showing anyone, really, through the joys of acting. <laughs> it's not happened so far. Um, he says... When we get done, they agree they're going to do it together. We're going to go eat fish off those naked chicks. And that is another great line. <laughs> they love us so babies. Brandon Lee is just a bit of a cock in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but, he's, but he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be the yuppie LA arsehole, isn't he? And, yeah. And like yeah. I said before, that it is one of the interesting things about this movie, which they didn't really do enough of or didn't. You know, there was an interesting hook there, I guess. I mean, possibly a bit in a crap way in the sense that it puts Dolph Lundgren as the main protagonist and not Brandon Lee. But um, yeah, it's still quite an in- It should be a more interesting dynamic that he's the yuppie and Dolph Lundgren is the authentic Japanese guy. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is massively problematic, isn't it? Just... It really is! <laughs> oh my god. I mean, uh, it's just cultural cultural appropriation, appropriate. isn't it? Oh, <laughs> and it's great. Well, like, it's... I lived in Sheffield for three years. I don't go around calling people duck and calling balms bread cakes. <laughs> like a maniac. Living for Henderson's relish. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, this is about where we uh, start looking at what's going on in the brewery. Yeah, um, we go to the brewery, and there's the gorgeous, um, in case we forgot because it was so long ago, uh, that the owner of the club is also the owner of the brewery. <laughs> she was very good at that. That was one of the nicest lines of exposition I've ever heard of. <laughs> was, but I love it when it was, because the sound is quite funny in this film, because the sound effects are obviously that action movie, just ridiculous proper wet pillow against concrete punches and stuff but all the like it, the car pulls up and it's just like clearly recorded in a vo booth of <laughs> remember the owner of the club is also the owner of the brewery <laughs> <laughs> like, which is a repeated line from tia carrera the scene before may as well may as well have just cut to dolph Lundgren looking directly down the camera <laughs> going remember. remember guys we're about to go to the brewery remember. don't forget <laughs> um, so you've got some like wild character uh, you know stereotypes wandering around in this brewery <laughs> um we've got axel rose in there with a crane <laughs> which is also brilliant you've got bikers you've got uh, according to the um script sorry the um credits you've got uh the crips are in there and you get a chap who gets his arm cut off for being a big racist <laughs> he had it coming he says something appalling yes so he gets his arm sliced up, and then there's a hilarious reaction from one of the other gang members who just goes, Oh, shit! <laughs> 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 Which 
is yeah. what you would do in that situation, then vomit all over the brewery floor. Yeah. But it turns out that the brewery is just a front for a massive meth lab, isn't it? Basically, yes. and, yeah, uh, ba- right. basically, yeah. Um, we it's all very to... generic stuff. To <laughs> course it is, course it is. So they show some videos. Um, so uh, Angel is there, isn't it? Is it t- uh, not Angel? Tia Carrera, uh, Minoko, Minako. M- I'll be honest with you, Rob. I haven't wrote down anybody's character name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Minako, um, and um, Yoshida is showing her some clips of her mate dying. But yeah. they're clearly clips from the movie. <laughs> so Incredible production values of yes. that CCTV. Yes. <laughs> the only brewer in the world whose CCTV department has a cinematographer. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Yeah. It was I so Mark was... Irwin to shoot this decapitation for <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark Irwin's the cinematographer of the movie, isn't he? Yeah, so... yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's just on the payroll of <laughs> Red Dragon Brewery. <laughs> Do you know, like, he has worked on some gold, this guy. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's a really good cinematographer. Yeah. He shot Scream. Big Mama's House 2, Road... <laughs> Sorry, I don't believe <laughs> I started. Yeah, start, started at the peak. <laughs> I started Scream and he <laughs> Road Trip, Scream. Dumb and Dumber, D2, Mighty Ducks, <laughs> Passenger 57. What a film that is. Robocop 2, The Fly. The, yeah. the, the, oh, video drone and scanners. This is amazing. Incredible, yeah. yeah. Regular uh, collaborator with Wes Craven and Cronenberg. And the Farrelly brothers as well. Outstanding. <laughs> he needed yeah. a break from all the, 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 depra- hey, the those, scary... Those Far- one of them Farrelly brothers is an Oscar winner. <laughs> oh, oh, God, yeah. Sheesh. What did he win an Oscar for? Green, Green Book. Book. That's worse than this movie, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yoshida takes uh, Tia Carrera home. It's awful. It's harrowing yeah. depression. But um, again, it's just been what it's, the film's just been absolutely decimated because they're in the dressing room at the club, and then all of a sudden he's throwing her into a bedroom in his in his, in his big mansion. Yes, and then it just cuts away again. I mean, you you get the inference of that something horrible uh, that he's been abusive and and what have you, but there's just no context for anything that's happening on no. screen at all. Absolutely, just jumping not. from one random location where something awful's happening. Well, and th- and then you know the next scene is um, Brandon Lee and and uh, Lundgren arriving there. Yeah. And they know where she is. How do they know where she is? How? Oh, who how, knows? How do they know where Yoshida lives? Because of course, you don't prat about with anything. You just go and get Yoshida. You don't. You don't waste any time with waiting. You just go. You got it days ago. You know, if you're being sensible. Yeah, I mean, they have time to explain what seppuku is to the uh, to the audience, which is uh, ritual suicide, rarely done by women unless they've been irredeemably dishonoured. Yes, um, and then having you know what, what, the Brit. Oh, it's so good. This you know they say like, "What's she doing in there?" And Brandon Lee says, "She's straightening up." Oh, and someone left a big knife out. <laughs> I quite so like his oaf, his his oafness, though. He's just such an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I still find him quite likable. He's not as likable in, in in other movies he's done. Um, I think this might have been his first English language movie. I actually. think it is. I yeah. think it is. Yeah. yeah. So that probably explains a fair amount. But um, Dolph 
says he's got to go in there because she's going to go and do herself in. And um, Brandon says, no, you can't go in there. There's got to be at least nine guys in there. Very precise number. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously the following Why day... Why would you, you know, say ten if you were guessing? <laughs> it's got to be nine guys in there. And the following day went, you know... Sorry, this is... He does, he's like, I killed said, nine guys. He said, like, I killed nine of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Monarca's fine, but I killed nine of them. Um, uh, it's a hilarious shootout. This um, he pulls a guy through a door with his nuts, like just reaches through a, a like a wooden door and grabs a guy's nuts and drags him through. It's outstanding. He jumps into the uh, into the living room and like rolls around like an idiot. Oh, it's so funny. Um, he he does some brilliant shootout poses, like yeah. yeah. I mean, he yeah, misses every stuff. shot. There's no way he kills those nine guys with the, the way he's just <laughs> handling that gun. It's just all over the place. It, it, it's his main attributes, you know. Like if there was a top top trump card for Sergeant Chris Kenner, is it just massive? <laughs> it's <not> like <laughs> the top attribute, yeah. like subtlety zero. <laughs> like Awkward. <laughs> Difficult to hit. <laughs> Quite a hundred. <laughs> Accuracy a with a firearm would be very yeah. low. <laughs> I also wanted to ask you, Rob, in this scene. Um, yeah. You know, as you mentioned the car crushing thing inspired Matthew Vaughan. Did this? This is a very niche reference. Did this scene inspire and influence that famous uh, naughty's British crime movie, Communist Takedown? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I think you need to provide the listeners with a little bit of context. Oh, what a question! Yeah, um, I think it possibly did. I mean, I think obviously my influences were very clear. Um, so on this same lads' holiday, um, we <laughs> one of the lads had a camcorder, so we we filmed an action movie while we were there called Communist Take. <laughs> This right wing propaganda piece. <laughs> Take it back. Why communists? <laughs> yeah, the, the villains were drug dealers. We have no idea their political leanings. <laughs> but we 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 really went for it, and um, there was. Big budget stunts. Well, you know, not really. Well, there was rolling down a hill and better shooting accuracy than bloody dolphins. <laughs> yeah. We, we, Sergeant um, Chris Kenner. Yeah, Sergeant Chris full naked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it was, it, it, there was similarity. I, you know, no one's ever said that. Yeah. Funnily enough, no one's ever said that to me before. <laughs> uh, it's very, you know, similar location, a lovely like hillside villa. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll be unsurprised to know, listeners, that everyone was a massive hit with the ladies on this particular. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I think it took me a full five years afterwards to fully speak to a girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes. Um, Oh dear, let me check my notes. Oh dear, no, Minarca's fine. I mean, uh, so he 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 rescues uh, Tia Carrera, and uh, then he just casually lifts up a car with his bare hands. (laughs) 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 Yep, and then it blows up because as he's driving, you know, he 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 knows exactly where to shoot on the underside of her. 
of a car. Do you, do you guys know? I mean, like this is probably the big body count moment in the film, maybe. Um, do you know what the body count of the film is? I do, actually. I think we read the same article, James. Yes. And what, <laughs> what, number, what number of you got it up? Well, it's at least nine. <laughs> <laughs> I've got 58. Yes, so <laughs> checks out. I've, I've also got first draft of the script was called Sergeant K. Wow, what a shit name. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I'm sorry. No disrespect to the really good screenwriters in Hollywood in the late 80s, early 90s, but fuck, it must be the easiest job to write films back then. (laughs) Oh, just let me at them. Let me at it. How did they get the budget (sighs) for this? (laughs) They go to a bathhouse next. Um, oh, I like the bathhouse bit. Uh, and yeah. That bathhouse is rad. Um, Loads more naked men at this point as well. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Not as good as the Eastern Promises bathhouse. Scene. No, it's not. <laughs> I think it's in the conversation. In in great bathhouse scenes. Not enough tackles. Not enough tackles flopping about. <laughs> yeah, Cronenberg had the had the balls to go full gong with uh, the bathhouse. Full gong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, their plan is dreadful to walk in and just batter people until they get the main guy. <laughs> They're the worst cops in the world. They really what? are. They, they really are. <laughs> yeah, what are, the, what are their superiors doing at there? They must be furious what's going on. So, and them two fucking about in little Tokyo again. <laughs> Christ. Release the Leicester Cup because we'll get some answers here. Because apparently, yeah, the cops, the cops' role was bigger. Ernie Lively played Detective Nelson. He's only in this for one scene um, in the current cut, but apparently his role was much bigger in the... Um, yeah, I'd much rather have that. Well, he give the generic dressing down to the renegade cop. <laughs> that's what that's what that's. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, hilarious uh, stuff, this. Loads of good fights. Uh, little, you know, internecine little, little scraps going on everywhere. Um, finish off by a harrowing underwater fight with a big fella who just won't die. <laughs> <laughs> Until he gets stabbed. <laughs> and the scream is horrendous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. It's dreadful. Underwater Wilhelm scream. It was, wasn't it? It was. Just like, just like um, sort of pitched down to sound like he was underwater. Yeah. It <laughs> D- didn't kill him, though. Didn't kill him, so he had to stick the, the bath hose in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Superb. Really enjoyed it. Good good place. This is one of the best bathhouse fights. Um, it's definitely in the conversation for me. <laughs> Very small that well-known conversation, conversation of, of good bathhouse fights in movies. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> um, so they, they go and hide somewhere because, you know, it's dreadful. Um, the, the plot makes no sense and they've got to hide apparently. <laughs> So they do. A handily built um, house by Dolph Lundgren, who's built this incredible Japanese-themed retreat somewhere. We need to go and hide somewhere. Where should we hide? At my house. <laughs> yeah. like, they're looking at the Hollywood Hills and they're like, oh, which house is it? Probably that one, which looks really Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> this guy is an absolute shit house, isn't he? <laughs> 
It's like, oh, God, he fucking loves Japan, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here he comes, wanging on about that when he grew up in Japan once again. <laughs> we, we get it, Chris. You were there for about two months. Get him. <laughs> and now you talk extensively about your time in Japan in lieu of having an actual personality. Good for you. <laughs> oh, God, is he one of those travellers? Yeah. You know, like, is he did a gap year? He's definitely that oh, guy. Oh, yeah. no. They probably just went on a short holiday to Japan. <laughs> He's come oh. back, like, speaking Japanese in kimonos and he watches <laughs> nothing but manga. <laughs> <laughs> so we tune in with Kenna watching Cowboy Bebop. Um, and um, uh, uh, th- yeah, this place is um, well, it's absolutely beautiful. But um, there's three. He says he makes it very clear because he appears absolutely asexual at this stage. Um, there are three bedrooms. Brandon Lee, you're going to stay in here. Brandon Lee, who um, doesn't know what food's on this? <laughs> um, <laughs> Chris Kenner. I'm going to stay in here. <clears throat> Sorry, speaking as Chris Kenneth. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you, Tia Carrera, Minoko, Minako, is, you're going to stay uh, in there. Um, he goes for a late night hot tub session. And this is, this is, I mean, things take a turn at this stage. Um, well, I mean, we've been threatening with the Red Shoe Diaries for quite a while, particularly with the score. And yeah. It, oof, it, um, <clears throat> It gets a bit saucy. It does, yeah. <laughs> Temperatures rising. <laughs> so Tia Carrera, who's been through quite an ordeal in this <laughs> decides to, well, not her personally, her body double decides to get into a Yeah, into so a obviously <laughs> a body double. It's like, don't move your head whilst getting into the hot uh, And this this is the, like, the seeds are sown here for one of the worst lines of all time, and it's not oh, the yeah. line yet, not the line. Oh no, yeah, this is right up there. There's the, the, the this sort of auxiliary awful line. <laughs> oh, so um, not the not the big brand. That this is another. Yeah, this is terrible. This is it's really really bad. Um, <laughs> sorry. So basically, when when Dolph sets uh, Tia Carrera up in his in his safe house, uh, he gives her like a shotgun, doesn't he? And he goes. Uh, Blast anyone who who you hear coming, unless it's me. And she goes, well, what if I hear you coming and shoot you? And he goes, you won't hear me coming. That's the setup for what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No prizes, <clears throat> listeners, for knowing what's coming next. Coming next. <laughs> um, the, the, there's, I mean, the, the nudity is, ramps it up a bit. Uh, I totally missed that reference. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> The, the romance music starts hitting um, and it's it's not I mean it's fairly obvious <laughs> we're struggling tonight ladies and gents I mean when you bring a, a film of this quality into the booth I didn't give the writers that much credit for this horrendous line but now I think it's brilliant <laughs> oh dear you're full 180 Oh dear! I, I didn't in the moment because I was like, oh, "That's a weird thing to say." It's not a, really not a good line. And then I remembered that he'd said that thing to her when he came with the shotgun, and she says it with such right. So what? What happened? Right, let's let's clue the listeners they, in. Amazingly, so they don't they don't mack in the in the hot no, tub. Death platonic in the hot tub. Yeah, fully let naked. Get, let me get you a towel. <laughs> yeah. 
now you go to your separate bedroom and I'll just, don't worry about this. I'll just <laughs> take this to my bedroom. This? <laughs> this pool animal. <laughs> no, no. It's my fault. You just got into a hot tub with me completely naked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. They go their own ways. Uh, the music has been building in a cheesy way. Lovely cheese. And um, she comes into the room and says she's scared. <laughs> and he says, right, you can sleep on your side of the bed. <laughs> Which she does for about three seconds. And then she rolls and grabs his hand. Um, but she doesn't open her eyes through all this. So she rolls over and looks at him with her eyes. <laughs> and then... <laughs> And it's just the most painfully awkward thing. And then you've got Dolph Lundgren having an emotionless sex scene yeah. and then, with uh, Tia Carrera. Tia Carrera's body double tags in again. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were. Bo- the, thought the the. Uh, I thought it was her. Is it not? Her? No, no, it's definitely. Sorry, that's not. That's not, not me her. hoping it's her. Yeah. It's more like, gosh, I, I'm I'm glad that she wasn't, you know. Forced into a position to do this for a movie. Yeah, because when you actually see the gratuitous nudity, it's always shot from behind, and then there's close-ups of her face of right, you know, what they right. cut to. So oh, yeah, it's God for that, hundred percent of body double. Oh, so well, really, fish palpable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and and yeah, she sort of flops down onto Dolph. And um, they're both very satisfied. You wouldn't know that from Dolph's expression. (laughs) (laughs) Looks like he's quite disgusted by what's happened, actually. He's had enough. My futon has been degraded (laughs) by what's happening. Uh, But the music during this is, it's pure sax. And yeah, she, she lies down on him and says, that time... Please, someone else say this. I can't do it. I heard you coming that time. (laughs) (laughs) She looks embarrassed when she says it. It's not good. But now, now having, as stupid as I am, having had the link explained to me, uh, it's good. Uh, You've had the slow burn. You've, you've, you, yeah, you've had the revelation. Much like Dolph did. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness me. But it doesn't stop here. Because we cut immediately to outside, because Tatsu's here, Dolph gets up absolutely naked, um, and boom, we're into the most homoerotic moment in an action movie I've ever seen, um, which I absolutely love. And there's a couple, there's a couple of good lines here from uh, from Bradley before we get to the iconic one. He goes, he says that he, he saw them out in the hot tub and said, "No wonder she was scared." <laughs> <laughs> he's had a real good look at that thing, hasn't he? <laughs> he's he's put himself in a place to comment. You know, he's ready to pass judgment. Um, he's like watching from a distance. Doesn't really work. He's like, can I go in the hot tub? I really want to go in the hot tub. He's going to stay over and watch. Heck. There's not room for me in there with that. There's already three. By the looks of things, there's already three people in there. Oh. <laughs> um, so they tool up for a second, you know, yeah. uh, quite literally. <laughs> Dolph's and, um, in his boxes. Yeah, Dolph um, has the good grace to put some boxes on at this point. Um, Brandon's ready to go. He's in a crisp t-shirt and lovely joggers. Um, 
And um, the, right, oh, this is the this is the one. I I'm going to tell you boys. I don't think I've ever heard a line <laughs> like this in a movie of this type. I, I, I just don't think I have. It just it makes. Well, I've got a bit of trivia on this line actually. Excellent, excellent. Right, well, should we? Should, should we? Would you like to? So, Dolph is ready to go. Brandon is ready to go, and Brandon turns. And I've actually got the lines written out here, just like written, so that. And I'm not going to put any inflection on this. Okay, I'm just going to read them out. Okay, Kenna. Just in case we get killed, I wanted to tell you you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a man. <laughs> Kenna nodding. Thanks. I don't know what to say, Murata. How about don't get killed, Kenna? Don't get killed, Murata. You too. <laughs> what a maniac sequence of lies that is. And amazingly, that's the better version of what this line could have been. So, according to the IMDb trivia, so I don't know how true this is, but... Uh, but yeah, it's on IMDb, so it must be true. Uh, so uh, the infamous homoerotic line from Brandon Lee's character was originally, you have the biggest dick I've ever seen on a white man. <laughs> Which implies that Brandon Lee's going around with like a little World Cup wall chart of all different ethnicities. <laughs> and who has the biggest knobs? <laughs> so they made the decision in editing to change that line to just any man <laughs> is that better I don't know I, I would love to have seen how that moment played out in Cinema uh, in 1991 <laughs> I would really love to have seen it well, well they were all probably the... jacked up on coke as much as the screenwriters yeah that's were. true <laughs> so that is like, true yeah <laughs> I think even the three other people in that screening would have been very confused. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So, uh, rumble ensues. Um, all sorts happens. Um, people are getting shot to pieces. Um, throwing knives are going everywhere because Dolph decides he's going to tool up with ancient weaponry rather than machine guns. Um, people crash into all over the place. But the house ends up burnt down, the house he built. Yep. Um, and they're captured, and Dolph is given some <laughs> lovely patent leather boots to wear uh, over his boxer shorts. Well, not over them, sorry. <laughs> to twin with his boxer shorts. <laughs> and they get taken directly to a, a junkyard yeah. uh, where, I mean, in the script, he's referred to as a master of pain. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald Okamura. He's the torturer. He's the guy who tortures them yeah. um, with high wattage. Um, both take their shirts off, both ripped. They're both ripped as shit, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just it's it's just so funny because Dolph is wearing little boots and tiny shorts. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> and that's amazing. Not the worst look that he has in this. <laughs> not the worst outfit combination he has in this movie. That's coming up. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Um Anyway, they escape from getting tortured, don't they? And they they do, and and uh, and uh, Yoshida is watching it again in his limo with footage provided by the obligatory in-house cinematographer <laughs> <laughs> Mark Irwin working overtime. <laughs> um, and yeah, car crusher on the conveyor belt. It looks like they're dead, but they've escaped. Oh, and um, another brilliant line from Dolph. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're out of the frying pan and boned up the ass with a red hot poker. <laughs> I take it all back. This is the best movie ever made. I, I'm trying to, you know, like earlier when Calliope Brattlebrake was saying, like, our, our film that we released, that we wrote, was much more nuanced. <laughs> <laughs> so they say, like, he says, "What are we going to do now?" And Dolph says, "We'll enjoy being dead for a while." Um, and then there's a training montage, <laughs> and then they come straight back out, and. They're all, it's the same day. <laughs> How long have you enjoyed being dead for? 15 minutes. I've just got to go home and get my karate gi. He just gets his karate gi and he, get, he gets all dolled up. Um, oh, oh, my word. Um, it's completely clear it's the same night. I mean, they've been dead for about 20 minutes. He's not going to the Valley Karate Tournament. He's literally going on a drug, <laughs> effectively going on a drug bust in a brewery. <laughs> <laughs> and he's dressed like Cobra Kai. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> this is this is after he's gone home to get changed, obviously. But he pauses, to <laughs> cut up some bamboo, <laughs> does a few rounds on the heavy back. Don't waste your energy, Dolph. <laughs> Tonight's the night, Dolph. No one else is changing clothes. They're waiting for you. <laughs> it's just like Bradley's outside waiting. Like for God, we were just like. Nipping in to just get chains, like get some tops on, because we were topless. Just that's all. What is he doing? We're gonna get a top. One of one of the scenes cut out was just him coming out in that garb, and then Brandon Lee's goes, "Oh for fuck's sake!" Stay to this fucking clown. My partner. Uh, they go to the brewery because obviously we now know that the owner of the club is the owner of the brewery. So, so we know where he is. Um, and they, and they, they drive through the wall. Imagine if, like, imagine if they just slammed dead into the wall, like, not, just like, which probably would have happened. Well, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean. Yeah. Oh, I mean, this dear. guy had the cops turn up later. It's an absolute mess. They're both dead on the board. So we got some weird, like, tree guy in Karate Kid cosplay. They just drove straight into the wall. What? Oh, God, they've got badges. Oh, no, they didn't have badges because they've come straight from being tortured. <laughs> oh dear! Um, oh Lord, they oh the big fights going on everywhere. Lots of gunfire, machine gun stuff. Love it all. Quite enjoyed the set actually that they were yeah, fighting yeah. in here. It's good fun. Um, and, yeah, there's a sense of fun here. Mm. Uh, uh, Yoshida is chased by Kenna and <laughs> Tatsu. I've got some calling him Tatsu, but I don't know what his. I don't think his character has a name. He must have a name. Um, but he he is um, dumped chased. in a vat of acid. <laughs> he is chased by yeah Brandon Lee, and he's thrown in a vat of acid with with one of the best lines. I mean, no, I'm not sorry, yes. it's not one of the best, but it's absolutely so. Th- it's that that usual action staple of move with a line, move yeah. with a line. So it's <laughs> you have a right to remain silent. 
boom. You have a right to an attorney. Boom. <laughs> you have a right. And he falls outside. Like, and he throws. <laughs> you have a right to be dead. <laughs> ah! <laughs> <laughs> oh. They'd give it. They, I mean, they'd given up long ago, but like they were well and truly Don't, fucking please. in the pub at this point, weren't they? Like, <laughs> snorting cocaine off strippers' and bubes. Say, si, you've got to remember that the, the original script was really nuanced, so yeah. you've got to remember that. Oh but my it's not, word! It's, it's not acid. They're in a brewery. It just gets chucked into the the latest batch of uh, uh, lovely brew. I, I thought it was. I thought it was the me- the chemicals that they were using. Oh, it's the, the meth. making meth, aren't they? Of course yeah. they are. Oh, here's me yes. thinking. It's, here's me like thinking it's a genuine brewery, <laughs> <laughs> and he just fell into some session IPA. <laughs> got a wheat allergy that causes him to melt. <laughs> well, no, see if he lit a thing, didn't he, and threw the, threw the lighter in. Oh, dear. He was very enjoyable. Um, Tia Carrera has been tied to a petrol t- pump for no reason whatsoever. Just look, if you want to, just shoot her. If that's, if that's really what you're after, just, just end it now. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> she, he's, he's tripped petrol all the way off into the distance and he stood there pointing with a gun at the petrol you won't come and get me Kenna and he shoots it and then he's got he's got a good couple of minutes to get her out <laughs> it's fine die another day sorry no time to die syndrome um, they really the, hammed up this explosion didn't they? it was like eight times it went oh probably nine times yeah, <laughs> can you do the sound you're the one site uh, with the sound <laughs> Oh my god. Are you okay, Rob? Are you (laughs) Well that's gotta stay in. I was enjoying myself so much I fell back and shot my chair. Oh dear. Oh god, tears. Oh, let's get to the end. Let's get to the Honestly. Right. I'm so sorry. Um, it's all right. Oh, so, so, oh, they're in a parade. <laughs> Damn, this is gonna get worse. <laughs> they're in a parade firing guns, <laughs> and there are horses everywhere. <laughs> the guys on the horses are holding real swords. <laughs> <laughs> What a movie. Is that where oh. they get their swords from? Like real sort like genuine Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's not a health and safety problem. I've got at to all. worry about it. And then yeah, a, what would have been quite good is if they started fighting with these like <laughs> samurai swords and they realised that they were fake as they would be in an actual parade. <laughs> what time is this parade happening, by the way? Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought this was like midnight, not like half seven in the evening. Well, it, it's been quite late. So what time did they get tortured? About two p.m. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't don't worry. He only had twenty minutes for the chopping bamboo, get into his <laughs> cosplay outfit. It's like tenant. There's no. It's, it's, Time's not a straight line. No, it really is. <laughs> um, yeah, they have a great old fight. Lots of lovely. Ho, ho. It's not for kids. There are kids present, but this is a fight to the death. Don't be daft. Uh, Everybody's <laughs> really enjoying it, to be fair. Everyone thinks it's part of yeah. the show. So he knifes it, he pulls the sword through him, then throws him onto a Catherine wheel. <laughs> 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 he's stuck right it's a bullseye it's a great shot but the 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 guy who was in charge of the firework display was like do i do i still like it he just like Oh dear! And then they they walk. Yeah. Congratulations! Yeah, congratulations, sir! You've just murdered a man. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's like remnants of his body spinning on the wheel in front of families oh. going round and round. <laughs> and then the music comes in like bam, 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 and there's witty repartee as they walk off with this spinning corpse <laughs> left going, and the credits roll. And what a flipping movie. Uh, and I am, I am beside myself. <laughs> um, can I get your best bits, fellas, please? I mean, all of it. But <laughs> <laughs> no, my favourite bit is, um, we touched on it earlier, so when, uh, when Dolph makes the raid, on the uh, <laughs> on the on the house to save Tia Carrera, and he hears a guy on the other side of closed door. He smashes his fist through the closed door and yanks the guy through by the knackers and snaps his <laughs> neck all in one fell swoop. <laughs> it's a shame Brandon Lee wasn't on the on the scene because then he could have measured his dick, the guy's dick through water. <laughs> Sai, what are you saying? <laughs> uh, I, I, re- I like the fight in the bar. I thought that was pretty badass. I thought it looked really good. And it really showed off Brandon Lee. Does have some legitimately good moves. He's, 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 pretty, he's pretty dandy. The, the peak of this in this film is when he, they enter the bathhouse and he toes a guy right in the pills. <laughs> <laughs> Which is massively satisfying. I guess he was just trying to see how big it was. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Using the Lee foot base radar, <laughs> but yeah, but basically Brandon Lee fighting. I don't think there was enough of that. Um, yes, I think they, yes. that was the best of the film. You should, uh, what you could do with Brandon in this film was um, let the camera roll, and he would still be moving at speed and legit looking amazing. Whereas you couldn't do that with his counterpart. That's no disrespect at all. It's just you know. well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't mean it as disrespect because, no, no. like different different sort of sure. jobs and different ways of being a movie star, you yeah, know. Um, uh, but no, because <laughs> mine my pick was the um, <laughs> was the the through the door nut grab. <laughs> But that's gone. And then I thought, I'll go for the other nut, nut shot. And then that's gone. <laughs> so, like, what do I do? 
um, so I think I'm I'm gonna go. Oh, I don't know. I really like the fight with Tatsu up there uh, on the little walkway. Yeah, uh, between Brandon and and um, Tatsu, but. Um, Oh, I don't know. I'm really <laughs> no. That whole sequence when he storms the um, he storms the like the hillside villa, and and the music is like and he's running down the hill with a gun and the vest. <laughs> communist takedown. <laughs> yeah, pure <laughs> communist takedown. Uh, as if that's becoming part of the lexicon. Um, and um, <laughs> it was yeah, just love all that kind of stuff. So so yeah, for your reconsideration. <laughs> For your reconsideration, um, FYR, James, would you like to lead us in? Well, I don't think the film could be as funny as the chat that we've had <laughs> over the last 90 minutes. So um, clearly the film was chopped to pieces by the studio, and as a result, it's a deeply flawed, disjointed distillation of what an executive thinks an action movie should be. Look, let's be clear, I don't think this is an especially good movie, but despite its numerous shortcomings, I thought the action was generally well staged and I got a kick out of its trashy B-movie vibes. Intentional or not, I found myself laughing a fair amount, and I think that's been borne out in this discussion, (laughs) and whilst I wasn't gripped, I was mostly entertained by the nonsense on screen. So on that basis, if you happen to be a 90s action movie completist and haven't seen this, it might be worth seeking out. Just don't expect a lot and go in with thinking that maybe have a few beers and yeah. uh, <laughs> get a few mates around and just laugh your ass off at this demented load of rubbish. <laughs> I am, I, 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 I. Say, what about you? Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, This film is very much for a specific person. Uh, (laughs) Rob. Uh, (laughs) um, It's just cheesy lines, dodgy acting, hilarious saucy music, shameless bubage, uh, and loads of boots to the face and nuts. It's both, James touched on it, it's both intentionally and unintentionally hilarious, uh, making it um, a swift disjointed, um, yet ultimately satisfying flick, I think. But only really if you see and appreciate the joy of late 80s, early 90s action flicks. Um, If you're going into this for anything other than that, uh, there's no point in watching it. (laughs) So yeah, it's very much a dinosaur of the genre, but uh, if you want to laugh, give it a whirl, for sure. Fellas, I am going to take that as... I'm taking it as two thumbs up. Under the right circumstances, <laughs> that's two thumbs up. Uh, wow. Um, oh, I don't. I, I had an absolute blast with it again. It's in a lot of ways. It's an absolute. Well, no, always. It's an absolute joke. <laughs> it's just an absolute joke. Um, but there's so much to enjoy in just how terrible it is. <laughs> it be it at a script level, be it um, <clears throat> in a continuity level. Just like right across the board. Uh, the action stuff, I do agree. I do think the action is all really staged well, um, which could be, you know, the, this is the guy who obviously did Commando, which is one of the greatest action movies, pure action movies of all time. So it does stand to reason that it would hold up. I also think that this being the first English language role of Brandon Lee makes it a curia, makes it a bit of a sort of like um, 
an intrigue piece, but also I think it gives you a very, very small flavour of the movie star we were robbed of. Mm. But um, that said, leave your brain. Don't even leave it at the door, leave it in the car park. Because <laughs> you, you are not going to need it. You won't need it. Um, and yeah, I, I'm always going... I'm not going to champion this film because it does a lot of things wrong. Yeah, the um, stereotypical depictions of um, certain people is not... is obviously... Well, it's there. It's it's on screen now. <laughs> um, Even the and, LA gangsters, like the proper, like the the white guy, yeah, putting on a Mexican yeah. accent. It's just, I mean, it's a stereotype festival. Um, but um, and also, yeah, there, there is not. This is not a movie that has any meaningful female character in it, sadly. But um, if you, yeah, just like you said, sir, if you take this as a relic of this period and not an especially good relic. And just embrace just how terrible it is. There's something to enjoy. I think that's probably the most damning sum up I've ever done. I think <laughs> if you acknowledge this movie is terrible, you might enjoy it. <laughs> Basically, you, you mean to tell me that it doesn't pass the Bechdel test? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could pick any moment of any any singular sixty seconds of this film that won't pass <laughs> the Bechdel test. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, fellas, I've just loved that. I've I've cried so hard. Well, I fell off my chair. So, <laughs> just an FYR first. Um, thank you for everything, fellas. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Next time, I don't think we've even discussed this. What are we doing? Oh, so is it? Is my pick next? Isn't it's it? you, yeah, James. Oh, it yes. is you, James. So, um, the television program Succession returned this week, and not only is it still bloody brilliant, but it reminded me just how much I love Brian Cox. So I thought next time out we should take a look at his underrated portrayal of Hannibal Lecter in Michael Mann's Manhunter. Oh yes! What a well, I did not expect that. Fucking. I think hell. we need to class things up a touch for this. <laughs> I think you're right. I think this is the perfect bounce back project. <laughs> oh my days! Oh, uh, this is outstanding. Brilliant. Very excited about that, James. Uh, what a pick! Cannot wait. Um, I'm going to signpost this now. I'm shouting with excitement because I've always wanted to see it, but never have. Oh, you've never... Oh, you're oh, in for a tree, Rob. I've never seen it. Can't it's, wait. Can't wait. <laughs> um, brilliant. Well, thank you very much, fellas. Have lovely times until I see you both next. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone at home. Uh, please give us five stars on your subscription service of choice. Keep chatting to us on the Twitters. Send us emails if... I haven't mentioned that in a while, have I? <laughs> <laughs> Not worth it. Nobody really emails. Don't. Yeah, don't, don't, don't even bother with that. Send us the DMs. Slide into our DMs. Knee slide. Double knee slide. Let's do this. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for everything. Keep well. Stay safe. See you next time. Take care, boys. Bye-bye. 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 I'm just going to take my karate gi off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put my massive Johnson away. <laughs> It's been very distracting throughout the rest of the Sorry. But I will be adding it to my wall chart. <laughs> it's like you got the wall chart off of like Match Magazine. <laughs> you, got, you got stickers with it. There's a shiny. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren's was definitely a shiny. 